you go through life like doing things successfully and then you immediately forget about it. In the future, when you come across like difficult things again, you don't really have that memory of your past successes. That's just like gone. And so it feels really daunting and difficult to take on kind of some of these uh, new challenges. Neurotypical people, they remember what they've done well, and that can really help empower them to take on new things going forward. Welcome to the ADHD Lounge Podcast. Whether you are someone with ADHD or a learning disability or just curious to learn more, come hang out with us in the lounge. I'm Alex. I was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD at the age of eight, and I am the founder of Capable Consulting. And I'm Katie, founder of Women and ADHD and host of the popular Women and ADHD podcast. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45. You can also find the two of us over at the ADHDlounge.com, our all-in-one ADHD coaching community. In each episode, we'll be diving deep into the world of ADHD, discussing unique challenges, sharing our personal stories, providing support and resources, and bringing in experts to help us along the way. So grab your favorite drink, maybe a croissant, grab a seat, or start walking or cleaning or however you listen, because at the ADHD Lounge, you can come exactly as you are. Jesse J. Anderson, thank you so much for joining us today. Actually, you know what? Before we even before I even let you speak, I'm going to read out your bio. Otherwise, we're going to forget. So, our guest today is Jesse J. Anderson, uh, internet social media superstar, phenom, author of the of Extra Focus: The Quick Start Guide to Adult ADHD. Congratulations on that, by the way! Fantastic. So excited to have that in the world. Jesse is a writer, a speaker, a coach, ADHD advocate, maker of things. Diagnosed at 36, he writes about his insights and experiences living with ADHD in his weekly newsletter that is also called Extra Focus, where you now have over 60,000 readers who uh, subscribe to that newsletter. That's incredible. Congratulations. So welcome. We're so glad to have you here. And That's quite a resume, honestly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh Thank you so much. <laughs> Did you finally quit your day job, by the way? Or are you still also working full time? I'm still working full time, which is kind of like I have this like quote unquote problem of having a really good job that I enjoy doing in addition to kind of like all this ADHD stuff. And so I'm sort of I'm still sort of navigating that. I mean, I've talked openly at this at work. So if they listen, this isn't a surprise. But like, I'm probably looking within the next you know year or so to switch to doing whatever it is kind of full time. I've coaching could be like a big part of it. And then the book, obviously, I'm at, at this pivot point, And I just don't know when the actual pivot happens in my life, but sometime probably in the next like year or so, I would, I would say. So yeah, it's very busy right now doing I, both. I can't even imagine. <laughs> Awesome. Well, okay. So what we were trying to think of what we could ask you about, because I feel like there's so many topics we probably could have had you on the podcast to talk about. And and I love that you're up for anything. We sort of zeroed in on the idea of success amnesia, because I think it was something that you talk about in your book. And it wasn't a term I had heard coined that way. Is that did you make that up? Or did you hear that from somewhere else? Yeah, I made it up. I, I, I try to I like to th make things memorable. So for me, if it's not like catchy or clever or something like that, then I'm going to forget it the next day. And so I try to make something that's going to stick in my brain, uh, which works really well when you're writing a book, because then hopefully, you know, you brought it up because it's kind of stuck in your brain, too. So yeah, that was, a, you know, it's not a new idea or anything. But I kind of coined that to give it sort of a name, because I think it's, it's so common for people with ADHD having that you, you go through life like doing things successfully and then you immediately forget about it. And so that means like in the future, when you come across like difficult things again, you don't really have that memory of your past successes. That's just like gone. And so it feels really daunting and difficult to take on kind of some of these uh, new challenges. Whereas most people, you know, like neurotypical people, they remember what they've done well and that can really help empower them to take on new things going forward. And for me, like, I always feel like, well, sometimes I'm taking on just like something that's insane. It doesn't make any sense. But other times I run, it just feels like, like taking on even, even things I've been really successful at in the past can feel so daunting because I just forget what I've done well. And so I just sort of feel like, 
you know, kind of feel like a failure at everything, even though like listening to you go through the bio, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of stuff apparently that I've done. But in the moment, like day to day, I'm not thinking about it. I'm just thinking like, uh, you know, I'm remembering all the things I haven't done well, like those lock into my memory and come up all the time. I feel like Katie and I talk about this all the time because it is one of those things that we, we are like ingrained in remembering the negative because that's the thing that people say to us all the time that you're not good at this. And then we start to believe it. And that understanding of ourselves is wrapped up in all the things that we're not good at. So I think that the fact that we forget the things that we are or because nobody's complimenting us on all of those things are usually pointing out the negative and then we feel like we're pointing out the negative. But yeah, that resume. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I like joked with Katie when she was like, we want Jesse on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, I'm a fangirl. Like I've, <laughs> you've, I've been following you for so long because I thought all of the content that you've been putting out is so interesting and real and raw and funny and just very different than a lot of other, you know, influencers in this space. And so there's so much to be proud of. So even if it's amnesia for you, I'm going to bring it up too. <laughs> and I know Katie is too, because there's so much you should be proud of. And I hope that we can encourage people to feel that way too. Oh, well, thank, thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I think kind of the content I create and stuff like that, I think I just have like, you know, 36 years of like all the stuff that I thought was me. So it was almost like jokes I would tell myself about my weird brain uh, to just sort of like cope. We're not getting that much positive feedback and then we're getting an overwhelming amount of that negative feedback. You know, it's there. It wasn't a study or anything, but there's that like estimation of kids with ADHD by the age of twelve hear like twenty thousand more negative messages than their peers. And at first, I heard that and I was like, "Well, that seems pretty exaggerated." And then I just thought about, you know, my daughter. Uh, she's thirteen. She has ADHD, and I just thought about what her life is like, even me, like being aware of it and knowing the difficulty, it's so hard to not just like, come on, hurry up. Can you get that? Can you pick that up? We got, we got to go. And it's just like, yeah, there's a lot of that negative feedback because we live in this society that's very neurotypical driven. And so those differences with what it's like having ADHD conflict with that a lot. And so those negative messages like come over and over and over again. And you just kind of like, it, it just sort of drowns out the positivity. And so that's that success amnesia. It's like you got that one positive thing and then a flood of the negative messages that just kind of like wipes it out, which is why positive messages are so can be so like powerful. Like that's motivating. Like when I am trying to motivate my daughter um, to like help her do something that, you know, she wants to do. It's all about focusing on the positive, like what's going well and that sort of thing. Well, I think there's so much there, right? Like one of the things when I first saw you or when I was first reading about the success amnesia in your book, I never really thought much about how much working memory plays into it, that this is actually us literally forgetting about our successes. Because I always thought of it more in terms of what is interesting to an interest-based brain, right? And it is so much more interesting to focus on the negative. It's a problem to solve, right? And so <laughs> right. even like when you hear people complimenting you about all of your successes, your eyes kind of glaze over it. Like it's very difficult to accept praise because it's literally like I did that that's in the past it's not I mean it's nice to hear but it doesn't like stick the way that a problem sticks in us and and you know just the same way like people can like and love all of your comments and be like yes it's great oh my god but if one person is like you're an idiot you're gonna focus <laughs> on that one person right I I'm doing it today totally. like <laughs> I was just having a conversation because I've been ang I've been arguing with strangers on the internet all day. And I was like, why do I do this? <laughs> but anyway, so I think there's like something about just our default mode network and this fa the fact that there's just more dopamine in the stuff that about life that sucks than there is about the stuff that is going well. And so then you're like, huh, I wonder why we all have such terrible self-esteem <laughs> because we, like, <laughs> right, it's, yeah. it's really, a, you have to, like you said, you have to work hard to think about the positive. It's like a, a real effort and, and anything that is an effort and not inherently interesting is going to elude us. And, but I, it was fascinating because I hadn't really thought about the fact that we literally forget. And it's like, we have to reinvent our sense of, self-esteem over and over and over again. 
that memory is such a key piece uh, to it because it's it's the whole like out of sight, out of mind and sort of like in the past. Mm-hmm. It's like once once I'm past that thing, like when I, I launched my book and it was really su- su- successful beyond what I thought. And this is amazing. And then like a week later, like I had I, I don't remember, like I'd, I have one day where like sales would be down or I'd have like a negative review on Goodreads or something like that. That other stuff's in the past. This is like now the new focus and like, cause the other stuff, it's like, I threw it in a drawer and if it's in a drawer, I'm never going to think about it again. It's just like totally gone. Right? I, <laughs> but those are also things you can't change. Cause you already wrote the book. It's not like you're going to go back and fix it. <laughs> and the people pleasing part of you is like, but I want everybody totally, to like it. Totally. But I do think there's <laughs> such a thing as like a dopamine hangover where if you're not constantly pushing the boulder up the hill, it's, it's akin to failure, right? And I've experienced that, especially with like my numbers in terms of my podcast, like if I'm not constantly improving, I'm basically failing. And I see that in so many Mm -hmm. elements of my life. Like I, you know, with running, I kept injuring myself because I was like, I can't do the same thing I did yesterday. I always have to push it to the next level, whatever that looks like. And I think that we do that so much in our life where we we push things and push things and push things. And then if we slip a little bit in our own minds, it's like, well, I'm quitting. This is terrible. Like we immediately go into catastrophization. If that's a word. Yeah. Yeah. I, (laughs) I think it's a word. It sounds like a word. I'm, I'm, I'll use it. Uh, I I think like that reminds me in the book, I talk about like juggling chainsaws, which I feel like is a lot of how I manage my life. (laughs) If I'm juggling like three chainsaws, you know, like three different projects or whatever I've got going on, eventually that's going to get boring. And for me, even though it's like, cha- like that's really exciting, but then it's like, well, I got to add another chainsaw. This is getting too boring. And pretty soon I've got all these things and like all these problems I'm trying to tackle, all these things I'm trying to challenge and make better and improve and watch the numbers go up and whatever it is, it becomes this problem where I'm like, okay, I'm juggling 17 chainsaws now. And if I drop one, like they're all going to collapse. Like, I'm constantly trying to balance this need to like, I want to, I want to juggle another chainsaw. There's a new opportunity. There's a new exciting project. I want to add that. And I want to do that. But I also know that burnout is right around the corner. Burnout is like right there. And all of these are going to collapse. If I hit that burnout, my whole existence is like trying to keep burnout like a few weeks in the future while still adding new projects. It's just like trying to keep that that balance uh, somehow going so that burnout doesn't hit. Because when it hits, it's just like, well, everything crashes, everything's done. And now I'm like, I don't know how to... Once it hits, it's like everything's done and I can't do anything anymore. It affects your entire sense of self. It is really, and that's where like rejection sensitive, uh, rejection sensitive dysphoria comes in where you're like, oh yeah, I get it. (laughs) Right. But I also think we just like thrive on a little bit of chaos. Like I remember my papa used to say this to me all the time. He's like, Alex, do you know how to function if everything around you wasn't stressful? And I was like, I think I was like 12 and I looked at him. I was like, wait, what? Like things don't have to be stressful. Like, I don't even know that that's an existence. And even if it was, I'm freaked out because I need something to be anxious about. I need something to like stir me because that's where that creativity comes in. And I don't want to forget that. And I need that drive, that like internal angst, that deadline, that something. But yes, I totally feel you that even just hearing your resume reminded me of Katie's resume, you know, podcast and author. And we were talking right before this, Katie, and you're like, yeah, I'm not really doing anything. And I was like laughing. I'm like, but your <laughs> podcast and we're doing the ADHD letter and you're also going back to school and I'm you're like, also a I'm mom. Bored. And I'm like, that's like nothing. <laughs> right? Like that's like nothing. And I'm like, I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, I have my business and Katie and I have started the ADHD lounge and I'm a parent and I'm like, what do you mean we're doing? This isn't nothing. <laughs> But it feels like silly. And I, I want to bring it back to that amnesia. It's like we forget that we're doing that. And like the pace in which we're doing all of these things is something that a lot of people with ADHD tend to do, but don't realize that like, that's not normal, like neurotypical behavior. That's like what we seek. So we forget that we're probably stressing ourselves out a little more to do all of those things because everything feels exciting. I think pretty early on, we just sort of, without really thinking about it, we just sort of like learned that chaos energy, like that chaos fuel, like that allows me to get stuff done. And so you just start naturally adding in that chaos because you know, like that sort of 
that sort of fuels you and gets you moving forward. But then there's all the problems that kind of come with that, that you do really, you often don't even realize till later, because at the time you're just like, oh, I figured out a way, I figured out a way to get me to do stuff. And so you're not thinking about, oh, this, this chaos fuel, it's adding anxiety and it's adding like all these other difficult difficulties to your life that you're just like, but it's getting me to do stuff. And so I'm just like thriving on that chaos fuel to be able to move forward. I lived a lot of my life with that without even like realizing it. It's just sort of, it's because it was in the past, like the problems went to the past. And so I wasn't seeing like the uh, repercussions of thriving on that chaos fuel or whatever you want to call that sort of managing anxiety to provide motivation, which is not something I would recommend, but definitely something I've practiced for a long time. So you were diagnosed well into adulthood at the age of 36. What kind of led to your diagnosis? What were what were the things that where you started putting two and two together and thought, oh, okay, I was 36, which was um, a few years ago, 2017. And there wasn't there wasn't a lot of what's happening now. Like there wasn't a lot. Well, as far as I could tell, there, were, there weren't very many podcasts or anything. I think Eric Tivers had his podcast. You might have had yours. I don't remember when your other podcast started. started. at the very end of 2020. I, okay. so But I was on Eric Tivers' show. He was one of the first nice, shows I was nice. on. Nice, nice. So his show, I think yeah. it like just started. And Jessica McCabe had like just started her How to ADHD channel. And that was kind of it other than like the Hallowell books and stuff like that. And so I was not aware of ADHD at all. Like to me, ADHD was like, I don't know, it's the kid that runs in circles in class. And that wasn't me. So I don't have that at all. Then uh, my friend got diagnosed. Uh, He was diagnosed with ADHD. And then his wife and my wife were like really good friends. And so they were talking about it. And then my wife was like, um, these things sound really familiar. And so she sort of like mentioned them to me, but in like, in a way she's like, I'm not telling you, you have this thing because if I tell you that you're not even going to want to look into it at all, but I'm just sort of saying, maybe look into, you know, maybe research some of the symptoms. So you know more about it for your friend or whatever. So I did. So I was like, all right, well, I think I even said at the time, I know that I don't have ADHD because I have no problem focusing on things that are interesting to me which is hilarious if you know about ADHD. It's like, yeah, that's the thing. If it's interesting, you can focus on it. But I thought because I could focus on something for hours, that hyper-focus for hours and hours and hours, my knowledge of ADHD, I thought that meant I couldn't have it, which is clearly not the case. But yeah, so I started looking into it and then immediately was like, oh no, this is, these are all describing, they're describing things that I always thought of as like family quirks because like, well, my dad acts like this and my brother acts like this. Turns out, our whole family has ADHD and we were all kind of undiagnosed, but that was sort of the start of it. And I remember, even though this isn't like strictly an ADHD specific thing, one of the first things that stood out was reading somebody with ADHD saying that they really hated t-shirt tags, like the itchiness of that, the sensory sort of thing of t-shirt tags. And a lot of other people were like replying, say, yeah, me too, me too. And I was like, ah, I've never known anyone else that hated them the way, like I have to rip them out of every t-shirt because that, that sensory thing of t-shirt tags, the itchiness like drives me just wild. So that was sort of the first, like, oh, I really need to look into that. And I know again, like the t-shirt tag thing, it's not strictly ADHD, the autism, they all, that also has sort of those sensory issues. And so there's like overlap there, but that was sort of one of the first things where I'm like, I really need to look into this more. And I read Hallowell's book, um, the driven to distraction. And that was just like, I know, like right? mind, mind exploding. Like these are all the things that I thought were just my weird things that I'm broken in this way. No one else is just me. And then seeing it like written out in a book, it was pretty life changing and pretty wild. So that, that was sort of like the start of it. And then I went through the whole journey of trying to find somebody that knew about ADHD, but saw, you know, adults and not just kids, which was really hard uh, to find in 2017. But eventually still hard now. Yeah, It's still hard now. Exactly. I had so many calls, which making phone calls is like one of the hardest things in the world for me. Like, I don't ever want to make a phone call if I can avoid it. Um, But having to make those calls just to like desperately try to find somebody. Do you see anybody that's an adult? And it was just like, I don't even know how many calls I made. And they're all, sorry, we only see kids for that. I'm like, oh, what do I do? (laughs) It's so annoying. I actually, I'm in this mom's group and someone asked, is there somebody who works with people who have adult ADHD? And uh, like a bunch of people who know me responded and said like, Alex does, Alex does. And the other people that responded were like, you can go to the Child Mind Institute. I'm like, 
She said for herself. Right. Like, <laughs> very clearly for herself. But anyway, I was going to go back, Jesse, to your point and talking about how you were reading these and they were so many aha moments. I feel like how you communicate to your audience is actually giving a lot of other people these aha moments. And now they're reading your book and they're getting that aha moment. How powerful so is beautiful. that into your success? <laughs> it's so cool. Like, this is this is not only just success for you, but success for all these people who are connecting to your messages. I'm just going to keep patting you on the back. <laughs> Thanks so much. I, I need it because I got that am- success amnesia. I mean, that's one of the most amazing things ever. When I hear from people that say, like, I saw one of your tweets, and that was the first thing that made me realize that this was a thing and that people, you know, got them started on that. And so that that's the most, like, fulfilling thing ever. Like, that's why... I want to make doing this sort of thing my full-time job, even though the job I do right now, I love, and I love that work doing like design work. There's so much fulfillment in being able to be part of that story for people that was so impactful for me that just like was like life-changing for me to find out about ADHD and knowing that the stuff I'm doing is having that same impact for other people. There's, there's nothing better than that. It's, it's amazing. So I, I love what has happened in just sort of the last couple of years and that I've stumbled onto this like amazing opportunity to be part of that story for other people, mostly just kind of by making fun of my own brain in a way too. I'm just sort of like being very, you know, self-deprecating, laughing at myself. I cope through humor, seeing that connect with people and helping people take those first steps and really look into it. There's nothing better than that. It's uh, amazing. I mean, I'm someone who was diagnosed at eight and I was still relating to everything that you were saying. So it was not just like aha moments for me, but it was just so relatable and funny. And I also have this like self-deprecating humor. I feel like that that's very, there's a reason that a lot of comics have ADHD. For sure. I just all stand up <laughs> we comics have ADHD. Follow, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, we always find each other and also, yeah, just I'm sure a lot of them do. You have to be that kind of creative mind to be able to do that. Going back to your book in terms of like that success amnesia, is there a story or is there a piece that you were like weaving in that you're like, I really want people to take this away? So I have this problem with memory because of my ADHD. I'm trying to like, you, you put me on the spot and now I'm trying to think like, Sorry. what is, what did I write about? Uh, what is a good story about that? Oh yeah. There's, there's definitely that too. Like I wrote a book. Um, I should remember at least some of it. I'm drawing a blank on a specific story for, I know, I mean, that that's part of the problem with it is that it like you lose that so much. Well, I happen to have it right here. And so I'm going to ask you about your, about smile files. Cause that's was, I mean, do you, what are the, okay, Jesse, one of the things I love about your content is the fact <laughs> that you're like, let's try it. It probably will work for a week. And, you know, and I feel like there's a realness to it, right? We're not going to be consistent. We're not going to figure anything out, right? We're just trying our best here and working with our brains and trying not to dump on ourselves, right? Like at the end of the day, this is what that's all about. And so I was very curious. I was like, hmm, smile file, it sounds good in theory. Does it, do you actually do it? So I do, and I'll get into that in a second, but kind of what the thing you're saying, which I talk a lot about in the book is like, this is because I have a bunch of strategies in the book, but none of them do I say like, this is the one that's going to work for you because that's not the case. Like I really, I'm a big a sports fan. And so I, I really think of it a lot of like having a playbook, like there's no magic play in the Seahawks playbook that it's like they can do it anytime and it's going to work. That is not the case. They have a whole bunch of plays in that playbook so they can try out different stuff. And if they try out one like, oh, man, our you know, our runs are not working together uh, or are not working today. So we really need to change it up and ch- go more into our passing game or whatever it is. And I really think of that a lot when I'm like doing strategies because for so long, I would like, I was really into like productivity advice and like trying all, reading all the blogs and all the different things, all the different books and strategies and like getting things done, uh, philosophy and stuff like that. And I would look at all these as like, oh, this is a solution because it works for these people. And then I try it and it doesn't work. Um, what's wrong with me? I'm broken. All of that sort of like, you know, negativity. And I realized like there just isn't that perfect magic strategy that's always going to work. I think once I found out about ADHD, when I found out that I had that, I was able to look at a lot of this advice, like things in sort of the GTD, getting things done world, and say, some of this is good. Some of this I can use. 
But the stuff that I can't, I don't have to feel bad about it. I just sort of take that and go, oh, that doesn't work for me, throw it away. Or I tried this and it didn't work for me, but maybe it'll work later. And I really do that a lot with the book. All the strategies I have in there, there's some of them that I'm definitely not doing right now, but I'll maybe pick up again in like a few months and try it when I run into some other wall or some new situation. The idea of a smile file is really to kind of combat the success amnesia. So it's a place to sort of store positive things that have happened. So like either it's people that have commented and said, Hey, I really love this article you wrote, or I love this podcast episode because like you see that and it's like energizing fuel that you need. That's not, you know, it's the not chaos fuel. It's the other type of fuel that can really help you get stuff done. Um, so that, or just like logging down like positive things you've done, like having launched a book or having, hit X number of downloads on a podcast or, or whatever like those things are. changing your pants for the first time in three days, right? <laughs> I'm like, that's a win totally, for me. Totally, totally. That's totally great for like the, I use that for like the to-do list when you're having yeah. like a rough day. Like just write down <laughs> the things you have done, even if it's just get out of bed, put on some pants and make a cup of coffee. Write those things down, check them off. And you're like, hey, my to-do list is halfway done. Yeah. Do I have a smile file right now? I have multiple. And this, it's sort of the whole hiding things in a drawer. Like if I put something in a drawer and close the drawer, I'm never going to remember to like open that drawer and look at the smile file or whatever it is. And so I try to put my smile file in places where I'll stumble across it. Mm -hmm. And so like in my email application, uh, there's this thing I use, Hey email, and it has a feature called clips where you're supposed to just like copy little like snippets from different emails. I don't know what it's actually used for, but I use that as a smile file. So I kind of stumble across it like, oh yeah, clips. And then I can kind of just like scroll through there and see like some nice things people have said in emails and stuff like that. And another thing I do a lot is I take screenshots of that stuff so that it'll come up in like my random rotating photo albums, like a positive thing will come up there. And that's really how it's worked for me is like, I try to put it in places where I'm going to stumble. across. I, I have some index cards too, that I literally like hide around my desk. I don't have any right now at my desk, but I hide it in different places so that I'll stumble, like going through the mail and be like, oh yeah, this positive thing that happened. Just like those little reminders to pop up and remind me of, hey, you're doing some, some things like pretty good. Like you're making a really big impact. Like don't forget about that positive stuff you're putting out in that world and those successes that you're having. So that's kind of my smile files. It's just sort of like scattered among my life. <laughs> I love that. You're also doing it in your own amnesia because you forget that you put it anywhere. Totally. So it's like <laughs> reminding you. I I randomly, I, I don't know where you are in the country, but I have, um, I do that with my jackets. I don't want to put on my jacket. So I would slip money into each of my jacket cut, like <laughs> pockets. So, cause like, I know I'll forget and I don't know which ones have it, but I'm like $5. I can go buy Starbucks because I can't remember that I did it, but it's a bribe. We do have a question coming up and I, I think it's a really good question to ask. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, just so you know, if you were part of the ADHD lounge, you actually get to be a part of these live recording podcasts and you can actually ask your questions. So we have a question and it's from Kelly. You talked about juggling and then putting off burnout, but then when things do fall apart, having to pick things up, I feel like I'm in the chaos. Things fell apart and things fall apart and I'm trying to pick back up to get motivated again, slash feel less impostery slash not be in paralysis mode. Any thoughts, suggestions or advice? I so often like overwhelm myself with getting so many different things. And one thing I've, I've learned is I, to get out of that, I really need to figure out like which of those projects are the most important. I had to make some hard calls this this past year. So like at the beginning of 2023, I was doing a lot of things. I was juggling a lot of chainsaws. And what I was noticing was that I didn't have time for my book. And I knew I wanted to get my book done this year. And it was just like, that was like way down the list. And I was just never getting to it. And so at the time, I was a a partner in a company that was like developing a habit app that was doing really well, we were getting a lot of users. And then I was also I had my my own podcast, ADHD nerds podcast. And that was taking a ton of my time, because I also have a family with three kids and the full time job. And it was just like, there was no room for the book. And I had to just like say, what is my actual priority here? Because where I'm putting my time and energy isn't working. I have too many fun distractions. Like there are things I'm enjoying doing, 
but they're distracting me from what I really want to focus on. There's this strategy by by Warren Buffett, which I normally would not recommend Warren Buffett strategies. That's not my go-to so for ADHD advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I really love the the concept of uh, this strategy that he's talked about. I don't know if he invented it, but he's he's sort of like strongly associated with it. But the idea is taking a list, like writing down a list of your your 25 kind of priorities or goals, 25 goals that you're trying to accomplish. And then once you have that list of 25, find the five, like what are the five most important? So go through the list, f- circle the five that are the most important goals you to accomplish. So then when you're done with that, then you've got, okay, I've got my five most important goals that I want to focus on. And I have this list of 20 goals that I need to avoid at all costs, because these are the distractions. These 20 other things that I think are priorities are actually just getting in in the way of the five things I really need to focus on. Um, And I really love that. Like, not just like, oh, these are less important. Like, no, these are the things to avoid at all costs. Like, (laughs) These are getting in your way, so you're not able to do those five things that you've now said are the most important. What I want to add to that is make sure on that list of 25 things, and then when you narrow it down to five, one of them is you. Mm. Because I feel like that is the last thing on the list that people think of is how can you fit yourself into this? It's always the task-oriented things that you're trying to get done, but where are you fitting into that list? Because I feel like that's where we tend to burn out. Totally. Like, I feel like I would write that 25 and then taking care of myself would be like 20, I don't know, 37. Like I would, I would forget right. to even include it in those 25. But yeah, so for me, when I was, I was having all these things going on and there was some opportunity cost of like, I had to decide that like the business that I was working on with this app, it was just taking up too much time. And I, I knew that the book was a bigger priority for me. So I, we, you know, split ways like amicably. And so I left that company and I put my podcast on hi- uh, hiatus and a few other things that I just had to like put aside so that I could focus on the book. And now I have written, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but I have written on one of those index cards, something that, that says something to the effect of you prioritize the book and it worked. Like you finished the book Aww. this year, like you wanted to do. It's like that proof of like, this worked for you before making these hard calls of putting aside these things that you wanted to do, but weren't the top priority was successful. And I was able to finish the book where if I was still doing those things, the book probably like it definitely wouldn't be out. It probably wouldn't even be close to out. And then I would just be beating myself up for having not accomplished this thing that I thought was my top priority. So, and I, and I get that it's hard. Like it was not easy to say no to those things because I, I just feel like my brain's, oh, it's kind of like what you said earlier, Katie, like I have problems to solve. Like I want to solve all these problems. I want to take on these challenges and do these things. And so that prioritization is is totally difficult. Like I'm not trying to say, oh, all you got to do is prioritize. And you really have to figure out what is going to work for you to put those down. Because I could have decided, hey, maybe I can become not a 50-50 partner on this company. Maybe we can work out another arrangement. But I was like, no, I, I just, for me, I needed a hard cut so that I could take that whole part of my brain that was thinking about this app and the company and all that. And just like, just free up that space for what I really need to focus on. Warren Buffett, who knew? (laughs) No, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking when you were talking, I was thinking about the question. uh, I was on a podcast. Oh, Lindsay Gunsel. I was on Lindsay Gunsel's podcast. Oh, I love Lindsay. She's She's awesome. And one of the questions she asked was, what's the, you know, what do you, what's the worst thing about ADHD for you? Or what's the hardest thing or the most difficult thing? And I said, it was saying no to myself. Right. And that idea that so many of us really like, and this is why I think the diagnosis of depression that so many of us get is so, is so confusing because I think so many of us have the desire to do all the things, right? Like we really want to do all the things and there's more things every day that are coming at us and we can't (laughs) prioritize and I want to do them all. And then we get burnt out or we get overwhelmed or we get overloaded and then we do nothing, you know, and then we're depressed because we're like, what's wrong with me? I can't do anything. But the desire is always there to do it all. And and so, yeah, I'm I'm curious when you say this top five things, is this like a January thing or is this like a check-in? at the first of the month kind of thing? Or when do you when do you decide this? When he remembers, obviously, <laughs> he gets amnesia. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I would say it's more of like a tool to use when you feel like things are out of control. So I'm I'm not doing it like for me, any sort of like regularly scheduled check-in sort of thing. Like that's not I do try to do like an annual review because that's helpful for me. But other than that, any sort of routine like that, like, oh, do this every two months, that just doesn't work with my brain. And so I've just sort of like embraced that trying to do there's something in my there's something in me that feels like I want to do that. Like I, I I do this all the time with like productivity systems where like I want to build this beautiful system that accounts for all the possibilities and everything works and everything has a place. And then it's like, that's not how my brain works. Why did I try to build this system? This is not gonna work for me at all. And so for me, that a tool like this, like the the 20, you know, 2025 list is like when I'm feeling that my priorities are not being met and things are kind of out of control, I need to figure out what I should be doing and what I need to be avoiding. That's really cool. We have another question. I'm struggling with the opposite problem. This is from Sarah. I'm struggling with the opposite problem of having singularly focus on writing a book because a deadline crunch time and I've cleared my plate to do so. However, I find it immensely painful to only focus on one thing and my brain gets really squirrely, <laughs> i.e. struggling to stay motivated and or wanting to change the book and every time I learn something new. Any tips on how to keep engaged, focused, and committed for a long haul? That is a dyslexic reading on the spot. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think that's a great question, Sarah. I totally get that too. This is something that like my wife, she's neurotypical. Sometimes I will add a new project and she's like, why would you add a new thing? You're trying to do this other thing. But for me, it's almost, I think I talk about this in the book, adding a side quest. It's like something to energize my brain. And I have to be careful because if I add another new huge project that can take over completely. And then that side quest becomes the main quest and I forget what I'm supposed to be doing. But a lot of times I'll, I'll try to find a project that's going to sort of get me moving because I find that like momentum is really important. So like if because if I'm just sitting like locked in a room and it's like, right, got to write the book. That's all I can do right now. That might not be the best for my brain because then I'm going to it's going to be, you know, it's like the whole eating the frog first, like eating the frog first thing in the morning. Supposedly the rest of your day will be easier once you take on eating the frog which is like that big ugly task and for me like what's going to happen is i'll get to the end of the day and i still am just staring at the frog and i didn't do anything at all and so i need to like eat the ice cream i need some sort of fun task to help me get my brain sort of it's kind of, it's kind of like that uh inertia like right now my brain is stalled and not moving at all so adding a side thing can help me sort of get moving um another thing specifically for the book because i definitely ran into that I, I could work on this one chapter, like when I'm in it, I could work on that forever and keep adding new things and then want to research it and all this stuff. And so for me, I ended up setting a lot of deadlines for myself that were like really narrow deadlines. It was very much sprint and rest, sprint and rest sort of writing process. And so for me, I did like beta reading. So I asked uh, some people like for my newsletter uh, who wanted to be beta readers, and then they could read an early version of the book. And so I gave them a date. I said, Hey, if you sign up, I'm going to release like, I'm going to release like an early beta version of the book in two weeks. And then I sent it out. And I was like, what have I done? Now I have to get my book in a readable <laughs> state in the next two weeks. But that because I knew that urgency would motivate me. And so I'm not sure if that totally answers the question, but that's sort of what I've done to sort of navigate that similar sort of uh, territory. Yeah, I did. I, I literally, I wrote my book before I was diagnosed with ADHD, so I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but I literally like mm. joined a course that had a deadline. And if you could finish your book by the deadline, you'd get your money back. If you were like in the top 10 of the chosen book. So I was like challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> and I really think it was the only way I could have written a book was if I had, you know, Literally, somebody said, you know, uh, you have to get it done by this deadline and you get your money back. So it brought out the cheap part of me, too. <laughs> <laughs> Starting the book was so easy. I was like all excited and energized and I wrote and I'm doing this thing. And then I hit that wall. And then I just at some point I realized like, oh, I haven't written anything in four months. That is a long time to like not. I didn't even look at my book for four months. And so that was when I was like, I need to, that was the first time I did beta reading. I was like, I need a deadline. And then I ended up hiring, I, I was self-published, so I didn't have like an editor assigned to me. So I found someone that I hired and I said like, 
I need deadlines. Um, and the thing that worked really well is he didn't just give me imaginary deadlines that I could like just sort of ignore, but he was busy editing like other books. And so he said, he gave me a deadline. Like if you get it to me by this time, I can do the edits. But if you miss that date, that's totally fine, but I have other work. So it's going to be three months before I can look at it again. And so then it was like, Oh, this isn't just like a made up date. Like this is real urgency. That's going to cost me three months. Um, if I don't hit that date and I basically kind of cycled back and forth between like an edit edit date and then another round of beta reading. And those were like, those were like the sprints where I was getting stuff, uh, getting stuff done. I'm even going to bring this back to that, like list of 25 to five piece with the priorities, because I think what I mentioned of putting yourself on that list has to be a part of this. And so often People are following this very neurotypical style of working and everything you just described is not neurotypical. (laughs) Nobody works with these hyper-focused brains the way that we do, but we tend to sit for hours at a time, but we have to be able to be motivated and excited to be able to sit down. And when we are not, sitting there is way more painful and way less productive. You are not going to do anything if you do not want to sit down and do it. And so I think adding something for you, that excitement, that fun aspect, that maybe it's the competitiveness, maybe it's the deadlines, as long as there's something for you, you're going to want to sit down and and breaking down those tasks that you mentioned. It's easy to start, it's hard to finish. And that is what a lot of people with ADHD really struggle with is finishing it because the stuff that you have to finish is the stuff that has a lot of executive functioning tasks, the little details that are so uninteresting to you, which is why you (laughs) didn't want to do them. So how can you break those tasks like even smaller to make them more digestible so that you can finish? It can be difficult to get started on a project, but once you're like going, or if it's a really creative project, you're just like, yeah. And then you get to that like 90%. And then it's like perfectionism shows up and now it's boring because now I'm like not getting to do the fun creative stuff. I'm having to do like admin of just sort of like neatening up the edges so that it's like it's done. And that's not very exciting. But you know what is exciting is this other new project, this other brand new idea that I had. And so I end up like adding, starting all these new things and then never kind of uh, finishing them. I ran a course a while back and uh, one of the students, he said, he's like, if everyone with ADHD had like a full-time assistant, I think we'd all be millionaires because we have all these brilliant ideas and we just need someone to help us complete all those little details to actually launch and finish uh, some of those things. And I, I think there's definitely some truth to that. Thank you, Carissa. <laughs> <laughs> just all the, all the things that I do not want to do, that Katie does not want to do. Um, yeah, it was drastically. Although we basically diagnosed her with ADHD. We thought she was, she thought she was neurotypical <laughs> before she met us. And we were like, sorry. Yeah. So she's um, one of those fun ADHDers that's really good at those admin tasks. Yeah. Right. I, I have met. Oh, they're, they're, yes. they're rare, but they're so they're good. amazing because they like they get it. Well, I feel like I would be really good at that so for good. somebody else, just not for myself. Right. Like like I feel like like my local tennis club, the guy desperately needs an assistant. He's so overwhelmed, and things keep falling through the cracks. And it's like every fiber of my being is stopping me from volunteering to be this guy's assistant <laughs> because I feel like it would be fun. Right. I'm like. Oh, I could totally do that. Oh, I'll do that for you. And I'm like, you're a little busy. Maybe take it down or not. <laughs> Maybe let him be. He's it's his own journey. Okay, so we have some rapid fire questions for you, Jesse. And then and then I have one final question. But let's do the rapid fire first. Okay. All right. So what's one word your family or friends would use to describe you? Adventurous. Ooh, nice. I love that. Uh, okay, what's your favorite strength about yourself? Uh, my love of learning. Yeah, because I love, like, I, I hated a lot of parts of school, but I always loved to learn. I was going to say, did you do terribly in school? Yeah, <laughs> totally. I had a lot of issues in school, um, but I love, love learning, which I think has really helped me today because I just love learning new things all the time. Right? Aww, I, I like think that, that also goes into our next one, which is well, the most interesting hobby you've picked up because my guess is you've had to learn new things. The most interesting hobby I've picked up? Oh, I, not kind of related to any of the stuff I do, but I got really into modular synth for a while, which is this whole crazy world where you're like doing math and mixing. Like you have these different 
kind of uh, musical instruments that have all these cables and you're like swapping out cables to like automate music generation. It is wild. I don't do it very much anymore because it's a very expensive <laughs> hobby, but it was that, that, that was a couple of years ago. I got really into it and I had tons of equipment and I was just like watching, I don't know, hundreds of hours of videos, learning <laughs> all that. And it was super, super fun. Uh, it was very, very weird hobby. <laughs> That's the most interesting. Also, you lost me at math. But <laughs> that was such an ADHD answer, too. Um, I'm surprised you didn't turn it into a side business. That's what that's oh, it was. It was potential. Like, are there any hobby? For right? sure. It was definitely something I thought about. <laughs> okay. What's your go to snack on a crazy day? Oh, man. Go to snack. I mean, this isn't quite a snack, but uh, for me, uh, just coffee, Starbucks, vanilla latte. That is my. I, that's both like my reward and just like, I can't get through a day with it. Like I'll have, if I'm on like a vacation and I have a little bit more free flowing budget, I'll, I'll drink like four or five in a day, like problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. so that is the go-to, but I also, I'm also really bad. Like I snack on like peanut butter M and M's. Uh, Oh, actually this is probably, probably my number one would be good and plenty. And a lot of people hate good and plenty because it's black licorice, but I love good and plenty. That's probably my (laughs) go-to. I was just talking to some neighbors over Halloween about we were reminiscing about like the good old days of like crappy Halloween candy <laughs> of like sunflower seeds and raisins oh. and popcorn oh, balls. raisins and oh, somebody brought that up, little right? boxes I of raisins. raisins. I loved oh, them. Man. And then you could turn it into a little kazoo. It was great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> those are all terrible. I am straight up Reese's peanut butter cups, the ones that are the holiday edition, because there's way more peanut butter. Yes. I will take Same. those any day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was definitely team good and plenty because I like black licorice. Nice. And people nice. are always, that's, I think it's a very divisive flavor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. <laughs> All right. Last one. What's your most used emoji? Easily, my most used emoji is the, I, I think of it as like a stressed out smiling face with a sweat drop. It's like it's like smiling, but there's a little sweat drop above the the eye. Yeah, like is, somebody help yes, me all the time. <laughs> I I use that. Like if you if I ever write you an email, it's probably in there at least twice. Like it is so. Just I feel like that's how I feel all the time. Just like a little bit stressed, but but doing okay. Like kind of excited and happy about it, but definitely a little bit stressed out. <laughs> That's, that's great. All right. That's that leads into my, my next question, which is now that the book is out, um, what is next on your Warren Buffett top five <laughs> list? Right. It's so funny that that's uh, become sort of a theme. Literally, like in a week will be my final class for uh, basic uh, tra- uh, coach training at ADCA. So I've been doing uh, my coach training for that. And at some point, I haven't started with any like real clients yet. I've been doing some like coaching with uh, a friend and just sort of like getting into the rhythm of it. But that's probably the next thing, like in this next year that I'll be exploring, like, what does that look like? What does coaching look like? Because I know I already have like this. I know that it's uh, that I really get a lot of fulfillment out of helping people. And so this is sort of like another another way I can do that. Um, and just sort of like exploring that whole world of coaching. Initially, it'll definitely like one-on-one coaching, but long-term, I wonder if I feel like I might thrive more with group coaching because like I really enjoyed when I did a, uh, I did an ADHD course, which is sort of similar to that. And probably another book also, I haven't really started anything, but that's like in the back of my mind is I have a lot of ideas for other books as well as like, I'm running out of my five things. Um. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say this list is, <laughs> this is the most ADHD list because all of these are five priorities. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will say though, <laughs> uh, a, a few more additions of the book that I have. And so like, I want to do it for sure. I want to do an audiobook. I haven't started that, but that is that is definitely a high priority of like recording the audiobook because I know a lot of people with ADHD like just aren't going to read a physical book. There's, it's got the pictures, people. It's like really spaced out to be ADHD friendly. It is definitely the most readable. You also put that on your Instagram, which I really appreciated all of the picture. It's like reading a picture book for an adult. (laughs) Also, Katie and I were just talking about like having audiobooks right before this because listening, I'm dyslexic. So having books that are read to me is so helpful. And Katie has been telling me, Oh, well, you have to speed up the podcasts or like the audiobooks to read them. They're so much more enjoyable when you have them read to you and you have them read a little bit faster because you pay attention more. So I am full team audiobook, <laughs> even though your picture book to me was very easy to read. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, like I, I'm the same like with podcasts that I listen to, I listen to them like 1.8 
speed, which is funny when you do that. Damn, that's and then, fast. And then you meet somebody in person. You're like, oh, you talk a lot slower in real life, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, kind of a funny thing. And then for for fiction books, I I, I keep it like one point two because I like there's something like with fiction. I think there's a little bit more. I want it to be a little bit smoother and not just like rapidly trying to get all the information, but I still can't listen to it at normal speed. Like that's crazy. It's got to be at least like 1.2. <laughs> that's so funny. Katie has, yeah. has totally I'm 1.4, but I just realized as you were saying that, that I listened to YouTube videos on double speed because I'm, I'm literally just being like, let's get to the information. Like yes, I find, you uh-huh. know, with YouTube, I'm like, I'm there for a reason and I'm so impatient. Oh man, that, that reminds me, so this is a slight, slight tangent, but this reminds me, my, my wife and I have this, <laughs> this little bit of difficulty in communicating where she likes to kind of like leisurely kind of fly the plane around in a circle around an idea and sort of like share spread a lot of her like thoughts and ideas about something. And I'm in the conversation, like trying, like what's, what, what are the, what are the details I need? Like, what are we, what are you trying to tell me here? Because there's too much like flowery language and like just sort of meandering thoughts. Like I need the details, land the plane already and tell me like what it is that I need to take out of this conversation. And part of it, I realized like now that I know about ADHD is like, a little bit of self preservation. I know that like my working memory is limited. And so I'm like that detail you told me at the beginning, I don't know yet if that's important for my takeaway of this conversation. So I'm like trying to kind of like hold all these little details. And then you're like, Oh, okay. I don't need to know anything about uh, Sharon. So get rid of that thought. And I'm like, <laughs> like just this like juggling act of like trying to maintain what is the actionable information I'm going to need at the end of this? Uh, which maybe sounds terrible. It's not like like I can have conversations with my wife, but when I know she's trying to tell me something that I need to act on, it's that like that happens a lot. Where I'm like, just l- land the plane, land the plane. What's the what's the detail? What's the takeaway I need to uh, get out of this? Which is kind of funny. I can only imagine how many people are listening to this on 2.0 speed and going, yes, 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 as fast as they can talk. <laughs> But Jazzy, it was so great having you on the show. Is there anywhere that you want us to send people, obviously to buy your book, but is there anywhere you'd like us to have people go to find you and find out more information about what you have coming up on your Warren Buffett list? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, This was uh, such a fun conversation. Um, the best place, uh, extrafocusbook.com. And that has like, you can buy the book directly from me or it has links to all the other places. It's basically av- available anywhere you can buy books. And then on, I'm on like almost all of the social media sites, if not all of them at just like ADHD, Jesse and J E S S E. That's how you spell that. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm, I, I have like 50 more websites I could name, but those are, those are the two follow me on social media and extrafocusbook.com. Great. Thanks so much. And that's a wrap for this episode of the ADHD Lounge Podcast. Thank you for listening and make sure to join us over at ADHDlounge.com. We've got resources, co-working, workshops, and a community of amazing ADHD folks just like yourself. And you can also attend these recordings live where you can ask questions and join in these discussions as they're happening. So make sure to head over to the ADHDlounge.com to join us today, and you can find that link in the show notes. And if you've made it this far and you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback means the world to us, and it helps us reach more listeners who could benefit from these conversations. Seriously, do it. Go now before you forget it. <laughs>